0: All right. We got the spirit of exhortation in the house tonight, huh? It's good to see you, River House. It's good to see you. Let's grab our seats. And I'm excited about tonight. I've been stewarding a word for a little while now in my spirit. Let's find our seats. chatty little crowd aren't they I've been stewarding this word in my spirit for a few weeks now and I'm excited to release it tonight I think for us to get out of it what the Lord would have for us it's gonna require something from us and that is I want you to I want you to stay tuned into your spirit man You know, sometimes we we can have these worship moments where our spirit's connecting to his spirit, amen? And then we can open a page or we can start to learn something and we can kind of switch out of our spirit man into like our mind. And I I was really blessed by Pastor Jordan's message about discernment. I really feel like tonight, the Lord's, if we stay tuned into our spirit man tonight, the Lord's going to bring great discernment. He's going to bring great discernment to you and to me about what's on his heart for us. So let's, let's agree to make our mind a servant of our spirit man tonight. And think great thoughts and think powerful thoughts, but let's, let's let the spirit man lead the way inside of us. What do you say? I'm talking about something tonight that I'm, I'm really excited about. I haven't preached about it here yet. Um, talking about something that I believe is really paramount for us as a movement. And I would view tonight as more stringing together of several different thoughts, uh, together. And the topic is cultivating intimacy. Cultivating intimacy. By intimacy, I'm not meaning sex. Let's just get that clear right now, okay? I know we got the teenagers in the room tonight, so. And the young adults. Oh boy, yeah. Let's get our definitions clear tonight, what we're talking about. Sexual intimacy is part of intimacy, right? When you're married, right, young adults? That's where you say yes. Say it again. Here we go. Ready? Right, young adults? Awesome. I love it. Okay, just clarifying that for all of us. Yeah, sexual intimacy is part of intimacy when we're married. But intimacy, I believe, is such a key thing for us to get great at cultivating. And I want to tell you why. Our movement, this movement that Jesus began six years ago called the River House, just an extension of a movement he began 2,000 years ago called his church, his bride. And we're going to be marked by several things. One is intimacy. Intimacy with the Father's heart. Intimacy with the presence of God and the face of God as we learn to be a house of prayer, and people who host the presence of God. Intimacy is the only way we get there. And secondly, we're going to be known as great families. Your guys' responses are a little weak tonight. We're going to be known as a house of great families. And Intimacy, cultivating intimacy is such a critical part of having healthy families. So tonight, there's this vertical and there's this horizontal, it's intimacy with Him, but it's also intimacy with each other. And that's the discerning piece, is the Lord wants to speak to you about you. And what He's cultivating in you with intimacy. I love this verse, Exodus 19, verse 4, and I apologize if our slides aren't working tonight. We're, we've got a few technical things going on. It says this, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Say, to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Way back in Exodus, God's saying, my people are to be my treasured possession. That speaks of a God who's talking about his family. He wants his family to be close, amen? In the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a priesthood. We've been on this theme of priesthood for about the last, what, four months. From Exodus to 1 Peter, it's still the same story. God's saying, I'm building my priesthood, I'm building my family. Stone by stone, I'm collecting them together. In verse 9 of that same passage, it says, you are a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Wow. Ephesians 1, Paul says this. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better so that you may know him better. That's that's that intimacy with God. There's a lot of people in this world, there's a lot of people in the church that know a lot of things about God. But knowing God himself is different than knowing about him. You can know a lot about me and not know me. And tonight, God wants to upgrade our ability to cultivate an intimate connection with God and with each other. I love in John 17, Jesus is saying, He's talking about oneness, and He starts off by saying, Father, thank you, you and I are one. And then He starts praying prayers for us. He says, My prayer is that they would be one with you, Father, just like we've been one. And then he says this, and my prayer is also that they would be one with one another. And then he says uh, these audacious words. That's how the world will know that you're my disciples. Intimacy is a pathway to oneness here and oneness here. It's a pathway to both, and that's why it's on the Lord's heart for us tonight. Amen? Amen. So God's plan from Exodus to 1st Peter has always been a people. God's always wanted a people like us. He's always wanted a family and a priesthood of people that he wants to gather to himself. A people that know him. A people that walk with him. A people that cultivate with him. Our world is struggling With anything that we can't consume. We live in a consumeristic culture. If I want a house, I go buy a house. I want a car, I buy a car. If I want my favorite Christmas present, I go to Amazon.com and order and it shows up tomorrow morning. That's how adults do Christmas shopping. But where do I go? To have a strong marriage. Where do I go buy a strong marriage? Where do I go buy a healthy family? Where do I go buy an intimate relationship with Jesus? You can't buy these things. Where do I buy community? I keep, I keep walking down the aisle at Costco looking for the healthy marriage aisle. This is what our world's struggling with. It's not struggling with things we can't buy. It's struggling with things we have to cultivate. See, we cultivate a healthy marriage. We cultivate a healthy family. We cultivate community. We cultivate... A relationship with Jesus, where, where we know Him and He knows us. These are things we cultivate. So when we're talking about cultivating in intimacy, we're talking about not consuming it because it can't be consumed. And this flies in the face of our culture today consumer culture. So what does it mean to be a cultivator? that's a great question it means this you've been given a field and that field needs a cultivator much like the Garden of Eden God created a garden but he put a man in it to cultivate it to work it and that ground produces life produces something so when we're talking about cultivating intimacy we're talking about you the field that's been given to you to cultivate an intimate connection with God and an intimate connection with people. And you're the cultivator. Tell yourself out loud, I'm the cultivator. Say it again, I'm the cultivator of this field. And the challenge is, is nobody can cultivate that field for you. I've had to learn this the hard way. I, Intimacy was not something I was born into. Family or with God. And I want to say this, all of us are on a journey of intimacy. Every single one of us. There's not an expert in the room. I'm still on the same journey you're on. You may be further down the trail than I'm on. (laughs) It's okay. We're all on this together of learning how to bring the intimate me, the most precious part of who I am, into relationship with God, and into relationship with each other. Why do we struggle to know God and to be known by Him? And why do we struggle to know one another, and to be known by one another? It's because of intimacy. What is intimacy? Closeness. Into me see. Somebody said. The ability to allow somebody to know me. To see me. To be with me. To be close to me. Intimacy. The word intimacy is derived from the Latin word intimus, which means inner or innermost. It's that innermost part of who I am. Can I bring, do I know how to bring that part of me into relationship with God? Into relationship with my spouse or my really close friends? We don't try to build intimacy with everyone. You can't have intimacy with 500 people. You can have it with a few. You can have it with a God who says, I want you, you're my most precious possession. several pictures of intimacy in Scripture that I love. The first one is Exodus 26. God's talking about the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. I love this picture. It's almost like a picture of you, it's, and me, it's like this, this human dimension of, there's, there's this outer part of my life, there's this inner part of my life, and then there's this most intimate part of who I am. We see that in the tabernacle, where God's like, look, everybody can go to the outer court, but only a few can go to the most holy place. I love that picture of intimacy. Jesus himself had layers of intimacy With his disciples at Mark 5.37 says this, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. Several scriptures talk about this. Jesus had a few really close companions. Peter, James, John. Man, how it would have sucked to have been those other nine guys. Jesus, Really? Come on, these guys get to do all the fun things with you. What about us? Jesus didn't have the same level of intimacy with everyone. But he had it with a few. You guys still with me? Jonathan and David in 1 Samuel 18 said, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Whoa. Whoa. Jonathan became one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. Wow. Here are these two incredible men. Men of God. Men of faith. Powerful men. And they had such an intimate bond of friendship. It's amazing to think about. Some of us in the room are longing for a Jonathan and David relationship. You don't have to be a guy, it can be a woman, too. That, that, that friend that's closer than a brother. Relationship. And I, I believe God's releasing tonight strategy for intimacy, to build relationships. Jonathan and David relationships. I love this one. James 4.8 says this very simply. Draw near to God. And he will what? Bring yourself close to God. And he, he'll bring himself close to you. Become intimate with God. And he'll become intimate with you. Notice God isn't doing all the work. He's watching us. He's waiting for us. How do we draw near to God? How do we draw near to a God we can't see? How do we bring ourselves near to a spirit, a God who is spirit? We do it in our spirit, man. Our spirit man, we say, God, I'm drawing near to you. I'm bringing myself to you, and I'm asking you to come and bring yourself to me." And God does it. Several years ago, I was studying continuing education courses for my counseling, license renewal, and I came across a series on intimacy anorexia. I'd never heard the term before, so I started learning about it. I ended up taking the certification course, <clears throat> but it was fascinating to me. This is the anti-intimacy stuff. So if you're, if, you're, if you're hung up on what is intimacy, these are the things that tell us what it's not. Does that make sense? It made sense to one of you? So here's 11 characteristics of intimacy anorexia. The number one is busy. Busy meaning too busy to nurture relationships. If you're in an intimate relationship, like a husband, wife, or boyfriend, girlfriend, and you're too busy to be a married person, how many of you think that's going to be a problem? We got a few people that think that's going to be a problem. The next one is blame. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing says, honey, come close, like when I blame you. Nothing says, hey, it's safe over here, come on, let's be lovey-dovey, like me blaming you for something. It's an intimacy killer. Withholding love. Withholding praise. Withholding sex, or intimacy during sex. Withholding spiritually. Unable or unwilling to share feelings. Criticism. Boy, nothing says warm up the heart strings like being criticized. Yeah, no. Anger or silence. The roommate. What do we mean by roommate? Meaning for husband and wife, just kind of coexisting. Like roommates, like, oh hey, you talk to each other like a roommate, you know, you wave to each other. It's like, no, man. Marriage isn't supposed to be roommates. It's supposed to be passion. Supposed to be love. Supposed to be all these things, right? Praise, affection, control of money. These are the eleven characteristics of intimacy and anorexia. I was reading through these. I was looking at these. I was like, wow, this this is the intimacy killers. These are the things that they've found that kill intimacy in our marriages. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me these words. He said, my church has intimacy anorexia with me. And I went, oh, oh, oh. Oh. And he's right. He's right. Let's look at that in the vertical. Are, are we too busy for him sometimes? To really nurture our relationship with the Lord? How about blame? Do we blame God for stuff? How about withholding love or withholding praise? Sure. How about, well, we don't have sex with God, thankfully, so we can skip number five. How about, how about withholding spiritually, how about withholding from Him what's happening in us spiritually? How about our willingness or unwillingness to share our feelings with God? How about criticism? Any criticism towards God in the church? Criticize, the Holy Spirit shows up, it's moving in power, people are getting healed, all kinds of cool things going on, and you get a handful of emails from people, and you're like, did you see, did you, did you see the amazing things going on in the room? Did you see people's lives getting touched? Yeah, but I just thought I'd send a little critical email. Wow. Sounds like anorexia to me. Sounds like exactly the opposite of intimacy building with God. Roommate. Boy, how many people, how many people don't have any passion for the Lord in the church today? I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church down the road. Yeah, his church, his bride. It's not supposed to be roommates with God. Remember, he, our, we're his most treasured possession. A people unto himself. We're supposed to stay passionate for the Lord. We're supposed to be in a love affair with the groom. And we're his bride. It's not a roommate relationship. It's a bride and a bridegroom relationship. Control of money. Is it his money? Is it our money? Whose money is it? Now I'm really, Now it's really getting quiet around here. Start talking about money, it gets real quiet quick. These are the intimacy killers with God and us too. Killers. Let's be people who decide we're not too busy to be with the Lord. Let's be people who decide we're not going to blame God for stuff that's not God's fault. Let's be people who decide to not withhold love. Let's love him. When you love somebody, you say it. You let it come out of your lips. Unless there's an intimacy block. Then you don't. Then your love's a secret. We don't say it. Let's let our praise come out easily. Man, our worship teams around here crush it. Setting an atmosphere for praise to come out of our hearts, out of our lips, and out of our mouths. Let's let our praise be easy. That's part of intimacy, man. Praise. He's so worthy of our praise. Let's don't criticize what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room. I get it. It's uncomfortable sometimes. I'm a guy, I like things, you know, I get it. But when the Holy Spirit's in the room, he'll do more in 10 minutes than we can do in a lifetime. When he's in the room moving, we got to go with what he's doing. And we've got to put down our tendency to criticize. That's how we build intimacy. That's how we build a culture that's intimate with the Lord. Let's don't settle to be roommates, casual people with God. No, let's, let's push into passion with the Lord. Let's live a passionate experience with God. Let's not settle for mediocrity when it comes to our relationship with him. All right. Moving on here. I've been extremely impressed that we're in a season where intimacy thresholds with Jesus have been crossed. I started working with couples years ago, and what I noticed was, couples have intimacy thresholds. They have, they have norms, they have normal ranges of closeness and connection, and And when therapy would start, they would start to work towards deeper connection and deeper intimacy. And when an intimacy threshold was crossed, many times it was, there was excitement, like, this is what we've been waiting for. We feel closer. We feel more love. We feel more something in the relationship that's beautiful. But it would also come up with a lot of anxiety and fear. Because it was new. Because I hadn't been there before. And many times, couples would want to do what? Go back to the way it was. And I would say, no, don't go back. Don't settle. Don't go back to where it was comfortable. Like, you pushed through. You made it. You made it through some hard stuff. Look where you're at. Like, believe on the other side of this. There's gonna be something more beautiful, that's sustainable, and waiting for you. As a couple. And I feel like that's where we are as a church. It's like, we've seen the Lord, and, and we've seen Him move, and we've seen His presence Pouring himself out extravagantly in our midst. And it's like we've crossed an intimacy threshold with Jesus. Corporately. And just like those couples, it comes up with also some negative stuff. Some fear. Some insecurity. Like, what is going on? And I feel like the Lord wants to encourage us. To stay in it. Don't go back to where it's comfortable. Don't settle. Keep pushing in. Keep pressing in. Watch the intimacy breakthrough that we have with Jesus. Watch the fruit of the intimacy breakthrough that we have with Jesus. Where we, we see the glory of the Lord in the house of the Lord. As we continue to press in and not settle, we become people who can experience the presence of God like we haven't seen before. The glory of the Lord touching our children. Seeing our kids experience the glory of God in our midst. And here's the challenge. The challenge is this. Intimacy happens in open space. It doesn't happen in tight timelines. Think about when you're dating, if those of you who are married, like, remember all the time you invested when you were dating? Lots of open space! Activities, conversations, phone calls, like all the stuff, lots of space. It's the same thing we've been experiencing on Sunday nights. It's been like, man, the Lord's here. We need space. I need space to watch him move and see him move. And I get it. It's disruptive. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's kind of like that couple, it feels like there's a fire that's been started. You know, the fire of the refiner's fire. Fire. It's like you've tasted of a deeper intimacy with each other, but also there's fear, there's insecurity, because you don't know how to manage it yet. And it feels like a fire. It is. It's a refiner's fire. When we're seeing new things come out of us, we got options. Go back to the safe zone to where those things, we didn't see those things, or do we allow the refiner's fire to actually keep bringing them out of us? And if we do, Jesus is with us in the fire. You Remember the story in Daniel 3, 25? He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Jesus didn't rescue them out of the fire. He was in the fire with them. And I feel like, That's for us. If there's a fire inside of us, Jesus is with us in the fire. Be careful. Let's don't just jump out of the fire and go back to the safe zone. Amen? All right. So a few things to help us cultivate intimacy. Number one is self-awareness. I can't know you, if you don't know you. I remember when I was first married, Tisha, we'd be in a little bit of a, you know, like, thing. And she would say, what's going on over there? What's happening? And my words were, I don't know. Or, I'm fine. Now, how many of you think those are really key words to build intimacy? Yeah, fine is not a feeling, people. I can't know you if you don't know you. If you don't know what's happening inside of you, how can you bring you out to know me? So self-awareness is critical in cultivating intimacy. Now listen, self-awareness doesn't mean we're self-absorbed. It doesn't mean we're self-promoting. It doesn't mean self is on top. Doesn't mean that. It's empowering for me to know what's happening inside of me so I can bring me out to God. It's empowering to the people around me when I can bring me out to here and now we can have a conversation about connection and how do we connect in that space? Number two to express myself through words to a safe God, or safe people. Don't try to express yourself to just anybody. Don't bring the intimate you, the most holy place of who you are, to just anybody. Bring it to a safe person. Bring it to a safe God. The good news is, is God, from Genesis to Revelation, reveals Himself as a God who is our refuge. He is a safe God. And there's a room full of safe people. Bring yourself to your house church leaders. If you don't have a spouse, if you don't have a really close companion, bring yourself out to safe people. This is cultivating intimacy. Number three, trust. Say trust. trust. <clears throat> Say it again, trust. Trust. Trust to co-regulate, preferably with a high-quality listener. If you get somebody who's not super good at listening, it doesn't always help to co-regulate. Co-regulating is saying, hey, I want to talk about what's happening inside of me with somebody else. And number four, stay influenceable. Keep your heart open, your spirit open, to be influenced by the other person. Sometimes we can say, hey, this is how I'm doing, and pop, and I'm done, and just deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want anything about it. And that's not really going to build intimacy. Stay influenceable. The thing that I love about those four things is we see these modeled for us in Scripture. David was a master at all these things. David, the man, it was said, that was a man after God's own heart. David built an intimate connection with God. And he did it by those four things right there. David cried out to the Lord. He said in Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David was a really honest guy. David knew what was going on inside of him. He practiced some self-awareness. In Psalm 22, my God, my God, have you forsaken me? Whoa. Why are you so far from saving me? I cry out day by day, but you don't answer me. David was profoundly honest with God. He knew the state of his heart and his soul, and he spoke it, he expressed it to God, a safe God. Jesus himself did this. Mark 14, 34. Jesus is having a really rough day. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He told his disciples, Peter, James, and John, would you stay with me? Jesus models for us intimacy. They didn't have to guess what was happening in Jesus. He brought himself out and told them. What was happening inside of him? All right, we're coming around the bend here. Hang on. I feel like intimacy is so important for us to cultivate because of what's coming for us. And I believe that God's got us in this season where it's like we're still a tent of meeting. Exodus 33 7, it talks about Moses put a tent outside the camp and a tent is, a tent of meeting is really different than a tabernacle. A tabernacle is not very mobile. It's not very flexible. It's not able to be packed up and moved very easily. But a tent of meeting is. And I feel like we're in this season where the Lord's saying, you're not a tabernacle yet, you're a tent of meeting. Meaning, I want my fire and my cloud to still guide you. I still want you to be mobile enough and flexible enough to follow what I'm doing. There will be a day when that may change, but right now, it's like the Lord's saying, stay flexible, Riverhouse. Stay mobile. Let me continue to shape who you are, and my priorities for your gatherings. Because it's so important to stay in the season that we're in. God's not done shaping us yet. It's not time to pour concrete on this. It's time to stay flexible as a tent of meeting. And I love the picture in Exodus 33 where there's this picture of All of Israel is camped in their tents, and each household has their own tent. And then you see the tent of meeting, where Moses would go out and meet and seek the Lord. And when Moses was there, the glory of the Lord would descend upon the tent of meeting. And I feel in this season there's this connection between our personal tents, our households, and the tent of meeting. A tent of meeting is much like tonight, it's a place where we gather, we inquire of the Lord, we seek his face in his heart. But we've each got tents ourselves. We've each got households that we're responsible to cultivate. To cultivate intimacy and to cultivate the things that the Lord has for us to cultivate. And I love the picture of all the tents around the tent of meeting, looking at the tent of meeting, it says when Moses went in the tent of meeting, everybody stood outside their own tent and watched and worshipped. There was this dynamic connection between their own tents and the tent of meeting, and I feel like that's prophetic for us. That this year we're gonna watch this connection between what happens here and what happens in our homes. Our own tents are so important, amen? We gotta stay flexible, church, because if we don't, we'll start to institutionalize. There's there's this thing inside of us as people. When, When something that we have, that we value, that we love, immediately we start to turn our focus to how do we preserve this. And, And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not time for that yet. It's not time to institutionalize yet. The Lord's saying, no, 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 I still want your focus and your attention, church, on what I'm doing in your midst. It's not time to just focus on preserving what you've been. It's time to stay flexible and stay watchful of what I'm teaching you, that you are. Because movements become monuments. And then monuments become museums. And we're not at the monument, people. We're still discovering who we are. So we got to stay attentive meeting in here we got to stay flexible, able to follow the fire in the cloud when it moves. Amen? Amen. Alright, we're rounding the bend here. Almost done. Hang on. One more thing. One month ago, say one month ago. I was listening to a church historian. And he was talking about his movement that he grew up in. It was a denomination, and he was saying, Before the 1925 era, when a lot of business analytics and metrics were introduced to the denominations as far as how they tracked and measured things, before that, he said, the metrics they used were this. Every year, the church would write a narrative of what was the story of God in your midst this year. What did God do in God's people this year? And every year, that church would send a report to the denominational head. And they would gather those reports, and they would, at the first board meeting of every year, they would sit down and they would read these narratives. And they would hear these stories of people getting healed, and people getting baptized, and people's, uh, this happening and that happening, people getting saved, people getting, learning God's Word. They would hear the story of God in their midst. Church, after church, after church, after church, after church. And when I heard this, I was so blessed inside, because I was, I was so longing for as an elder, let me put my elder hat on for just a second. I've been asking God, what are the metrics for revival? What are the metrics for a move of God? I'm not against business metrics. I love that stuff. I'm all good with that. But there's got to be more. And what I think the more is, is the story of God in our midst. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite us into... If you're interested, I would love to have you write the story of God in your life this last year. Five basic questions. We'll email it out sometime this next week or so. And I would love to sit down at our next elders meeting and listen and read the stories of your lives. The stories of God touching you in this room. Meeting you in this room the stories of God meeting you in your house church the stories of God in your home with your kids In your communities. I want to hear the story of God in our midst Are you up for that? All right I feel like the Lord wants to minister to some of us tonight So if we can just have the worship team come up or however we're doing that tonight, AJ. I felt like the Lord highlighted some of our challenges with intimacy are broken trust. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to heal some broken trust tonight. So I'm not going to do a big altar call. I'm just going to open the altars up. And if you sense the Lord is moving on you, or if you realize part of the intimacy journey that you're on or in, there's broken trust there. I just feel like the Lord's saying, I'm in the room and I want to heal it. I want to heal it. Particularly people that have broken trust people that have broken your trust to the point to where it's difficult to trust because it's difficult to create intimate relationships without trust so let's just stand and let's ask the Lord to help us all as we close tonight Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for a God who invites us into intimacy with you. And Lord, we just thank you that you're a God who's helping us fight through our barriers to intimacy. And God, I just pray for supernatural empowerment for every person in this room tonight. God, that that there would be no barrier to intimacy that we are not able to get through, God. Just pray for the grace of the God to descend upon each man, woman, and child in this room tonight. That we would be marked as a people of intimacy. Yes, God. People who know you, God. Who walk with you, God. And who are building powerful relationships on this earth, God. Just thank you for that in advance. We ask you to come and heal our trust tonight, God. Come and heal any areas that other people mistreated or misused. that are affecting our intimacy, God. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're on the prayer team, you can come up. And if you want prayer for anything, but especially for trust, I want to just invite you forward. And the rest of us can be dismissed. I love you very much. I'll see you next week. Be blessed.